Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. We are so pleased to bring you this special midweek episode. It's a preview episode of the San Francisco 49ers game against the Steelers, but more importantly, we're going to get insight from an NFL veteran. We welcome to the show Eric Davis, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, Carolina Panthers, and a couple of years of the Broncos and Lions. He played for 13 years in the NFL, earning All-Pro three times and also a Super Bowl champion. This guy gives us such insight. It was such an interesting show. We were supposed to be on with him for 15 minutes. It went on much longer than that. So we are very appreciative to Eric and also to the Believe Network. It's a podcast platform where Eric has a show with a co-host about the San Francisco 49ers. So without further ado, Eric Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with... NFL superstar, three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, superstar on television, analyzing the game of football to boot. We're here with Eric Davis. Eric, how's it going, my man? I am holding on for an old man. That's a great introduction, man. You need to follow me around. We can arrange that. It can happen. You, I mean, you make me. it easy with your accolades. I don't know. If I can get some, you know, if I can get a soundtrack with that, man, I could go somewhere. That well, was pretty good. I don't want to go too far out of bounds here, but I do have a band and we got a studio, so we can already start working on a theme song after this, oh, maybe. Okay. Depending on how this goes, yeah. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, something funky. But either way, right now, that's neither here nor there. We got to talk some ball because huge game between, well, two teams in completely opposite directions at the moment. We got the 49ers hosting the Steelers this weekend, and I want to get into that game. But first... There, uh, maybe shockingly to some people, there's drama going on in Pittsburgh. <laughs> no. For once. Yeah. Never. <laughs> right. Well, we think that you can maybe set some of this straight and maybe we can get some positivity in here. If so, if you wouldn't mind, we're going to start with some of this Pittsburgh stuff and then we can move into the game. Uh, works for me. All right. So big news. First things first, Steelers just traded a first round pick for defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins. Now, we know that a lot of people are sort of conflicted on whether the Steelers should have traded that pick or not with Ben Roethlisberger being out. People don't know how he's going to respond or if he'll respond from the injury. But I don't really want to focus on that as much as I'd love to get your opinion as a defensive back. I don't know if you've had the chance to study or watch Minka play at all, but I just wanted to see what you think of him as a player and as a prospect, and especially bearing in mind that 
I wouldn't call him a tweener, but he's kind of a guy who doesn't have a definitive position. And I wanted to see if maybe you had any opinions on whether that helps you in today's NFL because of all the versatility that offenses show, or maybe it could be a, a negative thing, like a jack of all trades, master or none. Um, well, starting off, he's worth the number one pick. It makes sense. It doesn't matter whether Ben is hurt or not. Um, that's irrelevant because Ben doesn't play defensive back. Ben doesn't cover cover a slot. He doesn't cover tight ends in space. He doesn't tackle anyone. So you need that on the defensive side of the ball if you want to improve, if you want to play football the way the Pittsburgh Steelers do it down the road. That's not, that's the first thing you look at it. Is this guy worth the number one pick? Yes. Right. Um, when com- Coming out of college a, a couple of years ago, I personally thought he was the best overall player in the draft. Wow. Just just looking at positions, I, I thought he was the best overall player. And you talk about him being a hybrid in today's game, that's what you need in your in your on your defensive side of the ball. When mm-hmm. for players, especially for players that play in space. You look at teams now and you look at linebackers, days are gone where you have the thumpers, the big Ray Lewis guys. The game is changing. Your linebackers are getting into the Mark Barron type where you have a guy, even the, even you look at uh, Thomas Davis, you get these safeties, you, 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 know, you get them on the training table. You beef them up uh, because these guys can work in space. They can cover tight ends. They're big enough, strong enough to tackle and, and take on blocks. A lot of them are just fast enough to, to outrun some of, the, some of the big linemen, and, they, and that's how they work well in, in the blocking scheme. But you've got to be able to cover in space. You have to be able to, you have to, be able to run, still tackle, work around the ball. That's what you need DBs to do. Minka can do that. Of course. He can cover in the slot. He can play the, you know, a high safety in space. He has good range, good speed. He can tackle in open space. He knows how to tackle on his back, which is a major thing for a DB in the NFL and, and, and guys don't, a lot of guys coming out of college don't understand how to tackle on your back. And by, and by that, I mean, you have to understand that you're going to be one-on-one with the Le'Veon Bells of the world. And you have to mm-hmm. understand how to give up your body. Know you're going to get run over. It's going to be ugly, but you can get a guy down and right. survive to the next, you know, Ryan Clark was a master of that. For, oh, for yeah. Pittsburgh for years. I mean, he would be that last line of defense, but Ryan always made that tackle, which is why he was so valuable because he never – you could let Troy run all over the place, but Ryan always made that tackle if whatever Troy decided to do didn't work. Totally. Minka, is, Minka is one of those type players. So does he make that team better once he learns the scheme and get everything in? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, everyone goes crazy over, over these picks. Um, and 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 they and the value of a first round pick, you don't know what you're gonna get with that first round pick. It may not work out. I, I mean, I understand the value of that pick, but there is not a safety coming out that's gonna be better next year than Minka. Exactly, a hundred percent. And he's the thing is, and with him too, the Steelers have had. I'm not even gonna say they've had trouble de- drafting or developing defensive backs. They just straight up haven't been able to do it since Troy came around and they brought Joe Hayden in they brought Steven Nelson in at the Uh corners and those guys are the two best players that they have in the secondary currently and so bringing in Minka I mean first off when they started talking about Minka Fitzpatrick being available for trade a couple days before Ben got injured we just the whole fan base and us here on the podcast we were all over it because you finally get a chance to to nab one of these top 10 talents and the Steelers just did that with Devin Bush. And this is just – it's insane for Steelers fans because 
we've been spoiled to watch the team draft in the 20s for many years. So you mm-hmm. never really have the the chance to get one of those elite prospects. And now here you have a guy in Minka who not only has four years left on his deal, but he's got some tape already that shows, yeah, this guy is going to adjust to the NFL. How like how high can he climb? We'll find out. Does it make us nervous that he's going to have to learn under the Steelers' defensive staff? Yes, it does. But that's why you take a guy who's <laughs> a little bit more of a known quantity. So I'm with you. Not not to mention the fact that the only reason why people would would be upset about giving up this top ten pick because because Minka is worth that. The only reason why they'd be upset about it is because people are assuming, oh, you're going to draft. Ben's successor in the top 10. And first off, there's only two QBs coming out. There's Tua and Herbert. And and one of them is going to Miami because we know they're getting number one. And then the other one, like, you're going to have to be the second worst team in the league just to get that second guy. So you don't even know if that would work out. And Ben committed to come back. So, yeah, I'm with you. Getting an elite player at a position where you've had no success developing those guys, I mean, that's a win-win. You can take my first-round pick any day. Uh, well, the the other part of that is that you just drafted a quarterback in the third round. A hundred percent. You just got a quarterback. No one. I don't understand why a fan base goes crazy over that. What team just gives away third round picks? What team drafts a player in the third round with no hopes of him ever be developing into a player? Um, not no good ones. That, right. That's how team. That's how teams get better. That's how teams actually survive and sustain. Um, winning look the Pittsburgh Steelers are all about that look at the wide receiver position they don't draft them in the first round they draft them in later rounds and they developed all of these guys and we can go down a list from Heinz Ward and until now that's what they do um you drafted a quarterback Rudolph was drafted because you thought he could turn into uh, a, a solid starter for you that's that's mm-hmm. what you that's what you draft first, second, and third round. These got these are guys you expect to be starters one day. You believe that they have the talent to do it. Um, I've had I have a lot of faith in, in that personnel staff there with that Pittsburgh has because they have sh- proven that they are capable of finding players in later rounds. Uh, and the third round is not a later round. Again, that's right. a, that's a guy that you expect to play. Now he's there sooner than expected. But um, so to go back and say, well, we're upset because we may have to draft one of those other quarterbacks. You already had that quarterback on your roster. You weren't thinking about getting another quarterback. That wasn't even in the cards. Um, The guy that you're trying to develop, guess what? He gets to do now. Get better. You, you You can learn a lot watching a great player. You can learn from Ben's mistakes being in that room. You can learn what he sees and why he saw it and why he made a certain play. But the only way Rudolph is going to get better ever is to get on the field. Now he yeah. has a chance to get better and, and you get to see and what you have uh, moving forward. I wouldn't be upset if I'm the fan base there. I wouldn't be upset about the opportunity to get a good player now that you, as you just mentioned, he's under contract. You're mm-hmm. able to, to do things around this because you know where his money is going to be for quite some time. Um, and this is a guy that you have an opportunity once again to have one of those hybrid players that can make plays across the field in a lot of different situations and, and give a defensive coordinator an opportunity to really have some fun back there. Um, you should feel good about that aspect of it as opposed to worrying about what you're going to do down the road if Ben's not there when you already drafted a quarterback to be his successor. 
Totally. And now, now that move looks even smarter, doesn't it? Drafting that Mason Rudolph. And actually that kind of that segues kind of nicely into another thing I wanted to talk to you about regarding Pittsburgh, which is you're talking about Mason Rudolph and other NFL players being able to actually get better when they're not playing, like in terms of what you were saying about him being able to learn from Ben. And uh-huh. then obviously he's going to get a lot better when he gets on the field experience. But there are some things that go um, into a season in terms of a team either playing better or playing worse or having the right mindset. And in Pittsburgh, it just seems like there is – it doesn't seem like it. There is constant sort of national drama going on around the team. And whether it's Bell and Brown over the whole last season and then Brown gets out of Pittsburgh and that finally dies down and then he goes to the Patriots and it gets fired back up and a week goes by and Ben gets hurt. And we don't even get two days and they trade their first round pick for the first time in like 50 years. So there's always something going on in Pittsburgh. And I just wanted to know from somebody who's been in winning locker rooms and been in NFL locker rooms and been in that battle, do you think those type of things like outside noise, does that really affect the quality of play of the players? Or are they being serious when they're saying, no, it's just outside noise and it really doesn't affect us at all? Uh, it really doesn't affect you at all unless you have to talk about it, unless it affects you. It, it's really I know it sounds you, you know funny and cliche-ish, but um, there's not a single player in that room that has anything to do with a first round draft pick being traded. Correct. Right. Right. Correct. There's not a single player that has anything to do with a with a player, a new player coming onto the squad or a player leaving the squad. That happens all the time. Transactions happen all the time. There's nothing you can do about it. So you mm-hmm. don't you don't concern yourself with it with a with, whether it's Minka coming in or if it's, a, it's someone on the squad that's in the locker right next to you getting cut and leaving. You have no control over it. You talk about it, you know, when you walk in and you see that the guy is is gone, and then you move from there. I actually played with a guy who found who literally read the Sporting Green up in the Bay Area when I was playing for the Niners. He he realized that he had been cut reading the morning paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now so, it's a tweet. Back then it was the paper, right? Yes, yes, it's a tweet now. Back then it was a paper. You know, right. it, was, it was like one of those. He showed up for work, didn't know he was cut, and he read it in the morning paper. And That's so, true. so it, it's one of those things. And and what did you do? You go on to your meeting and you practice and you you go about your day. There's nothing you can do about it. So those things don't concern you. It's it's only when you have to deal with it and talk about it. Uh, I mean, I, I played for I played for the Carolina Panthers when there was a murder invas- investigation going on um, with Ray Carruth. Oh, that affects oh. you because you you're out practicing and federal agents are pulling guys off the field saying we'd like to question you about this. Wow. Now it affects you because it affects your craft. It affects your mindset. It affects your ability to actually prepare for a game. Then that's a, that's a, that's affecting you. Players being on the team, A-B drama, Le'Veon Bell not being there, Le'Veon Bell not showing up, all these, it doesn't affect you. They're not, they're not lying because you have no control over it. You can only right. control what you put on. The, the, I had a coach, uh, Bill McPherson, used to always say, autograph your performance. You get to decide exactly. The one control that you have as an NFL player is what you put on film. You can't decide if you're going to start. If you're going to be benched, mm-hmm. if you're going to be cut, um, if you, you can't. You, the only thing is whether it is what you put on film. So you get to sign your name to that. And players know that. That's just a part of it. So 
Uh, no, it's, it's a real thing when you say it doesn't affect me. I'm not concerned about it. That's outside noise. It really is. And, and I think that's why Pittsburgh has done so well over the years when you have these national stories about what's going on. They have a coach that has explained to all the guys. I mean, Coach T lets them know, do your job, yeah. do what you're supposed to do, focus on what you're supposed to be focused on, and you win football games that way. And I think that's the mindset of that club. It's, and it's, it's been established from way back, and it's just a part of the culture there. Uh, just like there's a certain way you as a Pittsburgh fan, you expect your team to win in a certain fashion. It's a certain brand of football. It's a certain philosophy that they have, and that's a part of their philosophy. So, yeah, I don't think the guys are bothered by it. Eric, I'm listening very carefully. This is really interesting. I was distinguishing between Le'Veon Bell, who I thought he paid the price. He was willing, you know, he was at the end of the contract. Mm -hmm. He sat out a year and he got his new contract. I thought that was absolutely legitimate, at least from a business standpoint. He was pretty clear about what he was trying to get Uh with AB. The Steelers gave A.B. everything he wanted, everything he asked for. He was in the middle of his contract, and he abandoned ship. You know, as human beings, it, I, I just would feel resentful. I mean, you guys do rely on – I mean, you do have to put your, your game out there. But you do rely on your, you, you know, your fellow players, mm-hmm. your, the rest of your team. Do people feel any resentment about a guy who cuts out in the middle of a contract when you're depending on him to make a drive to the Super Bowl? Um, well, first of all, the only people that actually really know, and, and, and I can just look at it with, with players that I played with, the only ones that actually know the true story, the full story, are the ones that were there in the locker room. Yeah. Not what's reported, not what's tweeted, but what, but you have to be there and live it because there are a lot of different reasons as to why a guy is on the sideline in a fur coat. Um, and you have to know those. You have to know the backstory on it because is it that this guy just said I quit and I don't want to play, or are there other underlying reasons as to why? What was the conversation that led up to that moment? Um, how? What was the push and pull? Did this guy try to play and he was told not to? Did, you know all the different reasons and how the information get out. You you have to be able to assess all of that. Um, if a guy just decides he doesn't want to play, I played with the guy once, um, one year in Denver, we had a receiver. Um, I can't even think of his name right now. That's how much I erased him. Um, where he, where he literally decided that he didn't want to play and he just walked in and was like, guys, I'm quitting. I mean, like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that. It may have been a Thursday or Friday. He was like, I'm not playing. I don't want to play football. And so that was it. Now, now that bothered me because You've been a part of the game plan. You you know, guys, guys, right. livelihood are, are wrapped into this. And then you just just decide, well, you don't feel like playing. You're going to quit. Do you have the right to do that? That's fine. But then, you know, the next week you come back. Oh, well, I want to play. And I just told the guys, I was like, you know what? You know, my first year on this team, I was a vet. I was like my 11th, 12th year. I was like, this this is your team. I'm, I'm going to let you guys and the hierarchy of this team that have earned the right to be Broncos, you decide. But me personally, no, because I don't know when you go quit again. Yeah. Um, but whatever you guys decide, that's what we'll go with. And they decided they wanted to play and I was I was fine with it. I'm going to work with it because I don't have to like you to play with you. Um, and it's not even it wasn't even a dislike thing. It was just a trust. I don't know how right. how invested you are. Um, 
So the, it's not even so resentment isn't a word that I was, would use uh, because you you understand the business. If a guy feels like he's outperformed his contract, I don't think there's a player that has a problem with the guy asking for money. And, you know, and John Q. Fan always says, well, he's under contract. You have mm-hmm. to stop with that. Every totally. everyone listening, stop with that. Because the contract is irrelevant in the NFL because of the fact that if the team decides you're underperforming, they cut you. If the yep. team decides that um, that we need to move this some money somewhere else, they'll ask you to take a pay cut. So the contract really is irrelevant. It's about leverage. It, no one gets paid what they're worth. You get paid what you are in position to negotiate. So if you think you are in a good negotiating position, you ask for money, just like when a team thinks they're in a good negotiating position, they will take money from you. That's just the way it works. So uh, I don't th- so resentment is, you know, that's not the word I would ever use. And I don't think anyone resented A.B. For, for that, for the business aspect of it. I don't know all the other underlying stories and no one ever knows because you're hearing so much about it now. Yeah, that he's gone. Uh, when guys weren't talking about it then, and that's and that's football though, because you know questionable questionable character, um, it, it's always superseded um, by extreme talent. That's just that's just the way it is. Extreme yep. talent supersedes questionable character, questionable decisions, uh, what people call rowdy or rude or or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, you know this hard teammate to deal with or this this diva attitude. If you're balling, nobody cares. Period. Not not even the organizations. Not not even not. It is it not the Roonies. Not the Roonies. Not not the not the Tomlins of the world. No nobody cares if you're balling. And they didn't. And it was working. And it worked for a while. And, and you made a great point just talking about like the only thing that complicates it is that you're part of the game plan. And with A B and if we're just using A B as an example, it's like uh, the team is going to win or lose more games based on whether he's on the team or not and maybe guys who are on the fringe you know if the team's more successful they have more chance to get a job but at the end of the day it's like what you said it's it's put the autograph on the film so people know that they have bigger issues at hand having to perform themselves to keep their own jobs i would Mm -hmm. imagine or to audition for their next job and that is actually a nice segue kind of into some of the performances that are going to have to happen this weekend (laughs) in San Francisco. So if we're switching our focus here over to the game, there's um, you look at both sides of the ball. The very first thing is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that sticks out to me about this game. If you ignore the the obvious fact that Ben's not playing and, and the expectations are a little bit different game to game. Well, if by a little, I mean a lot different game to game for the Steelers, (laughs) but Uh, The first thing that sticks out to me is this, is the 49ers offense versus the Steelers defense. The Steelers defense, uh, it it has some communication issues, which is the – if you want to say that – you can't say that phrase to Pittsburgh audiences because we get that in all the interviews for the past six years. Oh, there was communication issues. There's still communication issues. Basically, they get manipulated easily when they play against elite offensive coordinators or elite veteran quarterbacks. Otherwise, they they hold their own nicely. But you see why there's all these memes of Steelers linebackers 
covering number one receivers on the opposing team. And it's not even really an exaggeration. Like you can go through the film and it happens a lot, which just tells you that good offensive coordinators are able to decipher the defensive rules on the Steelers team and kind of abuse them. And you got Kyle Shanahan, who's just about as good as anybody at doing just that. So from a Steelers fan uh, perspective, that's a bit scary. So bearing that in mind, how do you think the Steelers would need to attack the 49ers defense in order to have any success against it? Or excuse me, the other way around, the the offense or the uh, defense for the Steelers would how would they be able to stop Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo on offense? Okay, well, well, starting off communication problems that you know you may hear it, but it's a real thing when you have a group totally. of guys. That, the, the part the part of defense that people really don't uh, focus on and pay attention to is that just that the amount of communication out there. Everyone assumes that defensive players just make a call, line up, and then you just play. Well, you have all these offenses, and every single time someone moves on offense, there's an adjustment that has to be made on defense. So there's constant communication. So you may start off, and you are in a man. You're you're in man coverage. I can just tell you, like the defense that I played with the 49ers. I mean, we had 263 defenses, and and everyone had a minimum of five variations. A minimum of five variations every time someone moved. Because our coordinators and the way George, that was George Seifert's defense and the way that defense was set up, it was set up so that every adjustment, you had an opportunity to put your players in the best position for success. I played in this, I played with Dom Capers, um, who we know came from, you know, that three, four defense and how it is, is very similar to what they're doing up in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, that rough mm-hmm. zone system. Again, there's a lot of communication. And it's a question of guys getting themselves in position and understanding not just what they're doing, what everyone else is doing. And we started this discussion talking about a lot of new players coming in, free agents coming in. You have got you. It's been a while since you had a group of guys in Pittsburgh play together an extended period on defense. That that has something to do with with the uh, communication, understanding because it goes beyond what you're supposed to be doing it's what the guy around you is doing because that's one of the most important parts of football is not just knowing what you're supposed to do but knowing whose tit you're putting in a ringer if you don't do what you're supposed to do who are you screwing up if you're not where you're supposed to be you have to understand that now as far as kyle uh, and this defense um you know attacking kyle I, you know that he's going to do a lot of window dressing. This yep. offense is predicated on um, not play action, but run action. Maybe yes, it's not even. It's so so. That's it. It's not even so much. It's not even so much misdirection. It's run action. He's going to run gotcha. plays, right. and he's going to run these plays, and and he's going to have the H back come, and you you're going to know what this is a lead coming to this direction. He's going to have the fullback. The fullback is out there most of the time, probably you know forty five fifty percent of the time. You're going. He's going to lead you to plays, but then all of a sudden that exact same action is going to be a pass and so so you get this run action he wants to run the ball run the ball and where you have to defend it and get everyone moving and once he knows how you're going to move then he he knows this is where the hole is going to be and he's going to have jimmy to try to get the ball to a receiver 
in that position. And, and then he'll have a he'll have one of those receivers that's a part or the tight end Kittle that's a part of that blocking action, that run action, now escape to get to that hole that that run action creates. That's what happens. So I think you have to attack. First of all, you got to play sound against the run. If the run gets going, then it's gonna it's it's just way too hard. Uh, Cal mm-hmm. is very, he's very good at just doing just what we just said, just diagnosing what a defense um, will have to do. So if you don't stop the run, then it's going to make it very difficult to stop those quick passes. So I would I would focus on that. I would definitely focus on making certain that you take that aspect of it away and make Jimmy have to stand in the pocket and throw the ball. He still stares down receivers. Once you get eight yards or more, he will stare down his receiver and give you an opportunity to make plays. And also switch up your coverages in the back. So back to the communication, you have to be able to switch up coverages uh, because Jimmy, I mean, this is what start number 12 or something like that for him. I mean, he, yeah. he threw an interception last week. Why? Because it was open in practice. <laughs> right. <laughs> because yeah, because you this is working for him so far this year, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, his, his the two inter- the, the two just I mean, he threw a pick six uh, and the interception he threw this last game. It's simply because those are plays that Shanahan drew up and told him, "Hey, this is what the defense is going to do. This is the guy you can expect to be open." He wasn't even looking for anything else. I mean, this right. this this against Cincinnati, he just threw the ball. There there was no way he sh- no reason he should have thrown that ball, but the play design was so that the corner would bite on the short route and the crossing route would then run over to the void left behind him. Well, the corner didn't bite. <laughs> and Jimmy just threw the ball anyway. So you know you have a young developing quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. as, and remember what I said earlier? You don't get better until you get on the field. Yes, Jimmy has learned some things watching Brady, but he has to first now get it on the field himself you can take advantage of those plays when he gives you those opportunities so far he's done it every game pittsburgh has to take advantage of it so that's 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 the way i would look at this i i would make jimmy garoppolo prove to me that he could beat me and not um raheem mostert or uh Brita. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then we'll just probably have to put I'll, – I'll talk to Coach T, get him to put six or seven people on Kittle because the Steelers have been getting carved up by no-name tight ends, and now they're playing one of the best <laughs> ones, period. But no, that, that's awesome analysis. And I was actually uh, – I'm glad you talked about Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been an interesting case. It's funny because his name's been out there for a long time, but you're right. Like, what is it, like 12 starts or yeah, whatever it is? And, and yeah, it all comes off of that. They keep that talking about franchise quarterback, and I, and I told some people today right. up in the Bay, stop it. Like stop it. He, we'll see. He had, well, yeah, well, I mean, it's not even. We'll see. I want to see if he's a solid starter. Um, ben Roethlisberger is a franchise quarterback. Um, you, you, you um, th- this is Aaron Rodgers, franchise quarterback. That's a friend. Tom Brady, of course, franchise quarterback. There's a difference oh, yeah. between a solid starter. Um, a, um, Andy Dalton is a solid, solid starter. Mm-hmm. He he is. And and in some cases, you can say even a franchise quarterback. Why? Because he gives your team opportunities year in and year out. He at least gets you to the playoffs in which you have an opportunity to win a championship. Franchise quarterbacks, gives a, they give you an opportunity to win the chip. Uh, that's it. Kirk Cousins is not a franchise quarterback. He's a well-paid starter, but he's not a franchise well quarterback. Paid. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done a damn thing for a franchise. How can he be a franchise quarterback? 
He started 12 games. So so yeah. that's that's so that's what that's so that's what I want to see. Can he even develop into a consistent solid starter? We've seen a lot of guys have a good year. But the league right. the, the league will break you down. <laughs> so it sounds like these guys and understandably so, these guys is is when they first get on the field are kind of dogmatic. They're just following the following what they're told at the beginning. It's yes. just too hard to on the fly make decisions. They just need to get used to being out there. Absolutely. Is that I mean, this is Mason Rudolph, obviously. He's just got to follow what he's told at the beginning. He can't really freelance. Now, he's not going to do a lot of – you know, it will come in and you will see him scramble and you will see him do some things, but he's not going to have – he's not going to walk to the line of scrimmage and have the freedom that Ben would have because Ben is the playbook. You know what I mean? Right. Brent, ben, for him. he is the game plan. He knows exactly what they want to do. So now when you look at Rudolph, Rudolph has been sitting in those same meeting rooms. He's been hearing everything that's going on. So do I expect him to have a grasp of the offense? Yes. Do I expect him to have an understanding of what's going on and be able to get his reads down? Yes. But as things as things start to happen in real time, that's that's where the inexperience comes in because of the way you're going to have to react in real time. When something happens that you weren't expecting, how calm are you going to be? We've seen Ben get fooled by coverage, but then dance around, find a way to get time, throw a guy down and know that, OK, if I can last long enough, this guy who was staying in in protection will be able to leak out and I can dump the ball off to him. Those are things that happen over time that you won't get from Rudolph. Totally. And that's a great transition, actually, into the other side of the ball. Kind of the last thing we wanted to cover here. By the way, thanks for your time, man. I know we're no, kind no of problem, over man. Here, but yeah, no, dude. No, no we're you. good. I told you, just three guys talking ball, man. I like it. I enjoy it. Hey, that's what we're here for. And that's what the listeners are here for. So you're talking about Mason Rudolph and we're talking about Mason Rudolph. And I think people are excited to see him in his first game action. He definitely made noticeable strides in the preseason. And, and even in the action he had last week, he made noticeable strides from year one into year two. And uh, he does not possess the elite and just pure talent that Ben Roethlisberger well, has. From the, uh, <laughs> few people ever, baby, let's go. Yeah. Come on back next year, that's please, why, God. That's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, Ben that's is special. Right. So, 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 for, so that's number Talk one thing that. before you even finish this. The number one thing is don't compare him to Ben. That's not the issue. That's not totally. the question. That's, that's not even the question. The question is, is can he be efficient within the offensive scheme? That's what you need to ask. Yes, and that's why I liked why you were talking about wanting to see if Garoppolo or Cousins, are these guys even just decent in starters? Well, that's what we're kind of looking for from Mason Rudolph, who he was drafted, and now it looks incredibly smart that they drafted him because – did people think he was going to be the successor to Ben? Is he going to be a bridge? Is he going to be a good backup option to Ben if he goes down? Well, now we're going to see. And at, and at worst case scenario, uh, hopefully he can be a decent bridge or a stopgap right now when we have uh, unexpectedly lost Ben for the year for the first time in his career. So when you're looking at the Steelers offense versus the 49ers defense, 
it's a little bit odd because the Steelers offense, it, it doesn't even have a personality right now. And, and maybe that can actually be an advantage for them because they can come out with the element of surprise. But with Ben aching in the first two games and them running a ton of this five wide and trying to figure out how is our offense going to run without the traditional Ben to AB break glass in case of emergency type of strategy, they've been kind of floundering. But when Mason got in there, they moved the ball a little bit. When I think of the San Francisco defense, and we haven't gotten to watch them play a lot, obviously, NFC opponent, but I do think there's been a ton of uh, just – capital invested in that front seven uh-huh. and obviously you know the big ones are nick bosa and then signing d ford i don't know if d ford is going to play or not um and then obviously the interior lineman with buckner and i don't know you know solomon thomas and these big names that they've acquired and i just wanted to same sort of question that we asked on the other side of the ball if the steelers are going to want to have success against the 49ers defense where will they want to attack uh, number one, you don't want to throw the ball. They, they averaged 41 times last year. Um, another reason why I love Ben, just I'm not going to stay on Ben, but the reason I love Ben is because because Ben Ben could win a game whatever way was necessary. If he needed to hand it off 35 times, his his ego didn't stop him from prevent him from doing that to win a game. If he needed to throw it 55 times, he was good yeah. enough to survive back there. And and it, and throwing it 55 times, you're going to get hit a lot he was able to survive that and win games that way um i think uh, you know rudolph you don't want him to stand back there and throw the ball 40 50 times versus this front uh they can rush they'll send some pressure every now and then they'll send five guys you know maybe once or twice six guys but it's normally their front four they they have Mm -hmm. they have six guys that are legitimate starters and they rotate those guys and they keep them fresh and and they can hunt. They they can get to the quarterback in that aspect. I run run the ball. I it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what's happening with Connor. He has that knee and last I last I heard that he's not gonna practice this week, but he plans on playing. Um, yes. so it's gonna be running back by committee. Uh, I, I I think you need to be committed to the run. Throwing the ball that much, this, you haven't seen this defense a lot. The 49ers defense is much improved from last year. They are faster. Uh, they, mm-hmm. The kid, Greenlaw, that they drafted, the linebacker, uh, is a player. They, they, they found, they found a, a fifth-round steal. He's a player. They brought in Quan Alexander and the linebacking core. When they have those guys on the field, they are fast. They are nasty. Uh, I mean, they show up with rude intentions every time they get to the ball. They play with attitude. They can work in space. They play to run well. The secondary has gotten better. And then you you know about all the big boys. They have put so much draft capital into those big boys up front and then even going out to get D Ford. Um, yep. they, can, they can hunt up front. So I think you, you the way to negate speed is to come right at it. it that, that really is what – someone has to do right now both both of their games they've gotten themselves in a position to where teams had to throw the ball against them and if ask Andy Dalton you're going to get beaten up yeah (laughs) you're gonna and Rudolph is going to be he's going to be one big bruise if that's what happens so you're going to have to find a way get the Rudolph needs to and and this is going to be interesting because that offense is because you have been as an offensive coordinator, you have the luxury 
of having these long developing routes down the field. That's a major right. part of the offense. Yes, you'll throw some of the quick balls in there, but but so much of that offense is about throwing the ball deep down the field because you have that elite arm and you have this impossible guy to tackle um, with one guy that first shot and and you know at the quarterback position. How much of that do you have to get out of your game plan because of the new quarterback? That's what you're going to have to find out over time. Which, you know which what which plays can can stay in there, but. By running those plays, yes, you can still throw them, but your quarterback is going to get beaten up. Do you want to risk him versus this team that rushes the quarterback the way that they do? That's going to be that's going to be an interesting chess match right there. But um, the answer to the question, it, it's it's about attacking downhill. I get the ball right. out quick and and run straight downhill. Don't try to make it a side to side game. Uh, these guys are just too fast at at the, that front seven is just too fast to try to run away from. That's a great point, and, ho- and the Steelers haven't done a great job of committing to the run the first few games. I'm sure they will be recommitted, especially with having a backup quarterback in there. And you know what? I mean, hey, I- I'm being serious. We could talk for hours with you, Eric, but we want to let you go here. We've covered pretty much everything. want to let you have a life of your own here before we just <laughs> hoard you all night long. But this was fantastic, man. This was really awesome. I know that our audience is going to really enjoy this. We really enjoyed talking to you. It's a shame that the Niners and the Steelers only play every four years or whatever. Otherwise, we could get you on more often. But hopefully we can do something again in the future. Uh, Sounds good, guys. Enjoy talking to you. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Take it easy. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.